Well, good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us again today. John, it's always good to be with you. How are you doing today? Ah, super chipper, Brandon. Super chipper. Really good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, today you and I are going to be discussing session two of the discipleship reframe. And really, uh, this takes the next step in. We're going to be talking about outputs and outcomes. And there's two ways to look at this. We could talk about it being a, kind of a way of, of assessing ourselves really well, but also the measuring stick um, that'll kind of help us as we move forward in our process of building cultures of discipleship. And, you know, these, these ideas of outputs and outcomes, I think it confused in the church world all the time. And we, we really look at, at outputs, kind of the things that we do um, as a way of measuring our success in the church, rather than um, such things as, as outcomes, um, which would be people being transformed and being healed and turning into the likeness of Christ. Yep. Um, but John, you know, before we really dive in, can you help us understand uh, the difference between outputs and outcomes, maybe a definition or, or an example of each that would that would really help us understand these two. Yeah, that's great, Brandon. Let me do it in a, maybe a way of everyday life, like a recipe. Um, in a recipe, when you make something, you have a certain amount of, uh, of an ingredient that you mix with a certain amount of another ingredient, and then maybe you put it in the oven. I mean, outputs are what you do um, to make something, right? To prepare something, whereas outcomes is what comes out of the oven, right? It's, and sometimes it's what you wanted and sometimes it's not what you wanted. And I think that's the idea is that outputs are things that we do, that we prepare, that we create. Um, uh, and then outcomes are what, uh, what happens as a result um, of those outputs, people being involved in them. So another example would be like a sports team. You know, I like an output for a sports coach would be how many practices and how many drills do we want our players to go through? The outcomes, you know, would be something uh, like how many uh, how many games are we winning? How are we performing on the field? How many points did we score? And it would be ironic, though, right? If a pastor, excuse me, if a coach uh, measured their their the the success of their program their outcomes were how many fans came or how much money was collected by the you know the ticket office and you can see the parallel here with churches is that it's really important that we identify the difference between our outputs the services that we're putting on the, the classes and all the different things that, that the staff and volunteers do and then the outcomes it's got to be more than just how many people come and especially of course in today's world you know with the covid crisis and people not being able to come to the building right so um, i feel like i think that's the way i would say it is that outputs are what we do outcomes is what happens as a result um, uh, within the lives of others of, as what we do yeah. Yeah. Thank you, John. That's a, that's a really good distinction between that. And, and what one, the output in essence should lead to well, an outcome. Um, right. Part of what we're going to talk about here is maybe we haven't quite really de defined the outcomes really well. And, and uh, you know, for us, we break things, you know, down here in the discipleship reframed and, and at kingdom story into kind of four main pillars four consistent priorities or plans um, that God has for our lives. Uh, you know, we call this these loving God, uh, loving others, personal transformation, and influence. Uh, well, John, can you tell us a little about each, uh, each of those things and how we arrived at a place where we found these to be fundamental to the development of a disciple and a discipleship culture? Sure, happy to do that. And I'll just say that these aren't unique, Brandon, to, uh, to you and me. These are 
uh, outcomes that as I've shared these with other individuals, I've stolen them, I've heard them over the years. And I, I think they're really threaded all the way through the story, Genesis to Revelation. And as disciples of Jesus, though, we would for sure expect them that in his life and his example and his teachings, we'd find these four. And here, here's what we've landed on. The first two go together a little bit as a pair is to love God and to love others. And Jesus, if you watch his life, his connection with his father, his Abba, his turning around and laying down his life in so many ways uh, in relationships on the cross, et cetera. And, we, we, and he gives that away to us. Like This is how you can sum up everything that uh, from the scriptures, from my teachings is to love God and love others. The third uh, uh, measuring you know, stick, if you want to call it the pillar uh, that we use around um, outcomes is personal transformation. The goal of a disciple in Jesus's time and certain for his disciples, the goal of a disciple was to become like the master. Uh, they would be transformed in the way they think, in the way they act, in the way they speak, in every way in their character to become like uh, the master. And so as hard as that was for the disciples, you think about denying Jesus on the, the night he was betrayed, the lack of ability to, to be like the master. It was the coming of the Holy Spirit that really allowed this personal transformation to bear the fruit, the fruit of the spirit, a character, patience, kindness, um, so that we can not only know and do, but we can be like Jesus. And the last one is influence. And of course, you know, the, Je the difference that Jesus made outside of himself is, you know, undisputable the impact he had on other people when he met with them. And, and, uh, and then he sent his disciples out two by two to be an influence, to preach and to teach and to do what he did and to promise them that they would do greater things. So it's been my experience, Brandon, if you go through scriptures these threads run through and and in so many different ways say the same things and they weave together they relate to each other and so you you show your love for uh, for god by loving others if you're to be salt and light well your character is going to be the best sermon you can give so they all weave together and so anyway i brandon what's been fun for me is to watch you take on a new role at, at your church new life foursquare and you're the volunteer discipleship coordinator and you're passionate leaning in to wanting to make this small church under new pastoral leadership to, to kind of grow in this culture of discipleship that we're, we're exploring here. And you're using right from the beginning, I've loved this, the four pillars that I've just shared is kind of your lenses to say, okay, what's been done? What are the outcomes? And how are we going forward? Just unpack for us a little bit about how these four outcomes have helped you maybe see and take leadership there at the church so far. Yeah, these have been, I mean, these have been a beautiful lens for me to look through and one by which I can have conversation and help to measure. It's also been very difficult um, as we've been looking at it. I mean, so just for starters, it's, we've had a recent pastoral change. Uh, I mean, so it's, which is great in a lot of ways because there's not a lot of tradition or so on. Um, and, and at the same time, that transition happened right in the middle of COVID. Um, and so we had to take on these realities of what normally we, you know, we used to measure church on was mm -hmm. taken away immediately. I mean, the right. literally the first, the first, uh, the first Sunday that our pastor was literally head pastor was he preached from his living room. Um, he introduced himself as our new head pastor from his living room, you know, so nobody there, um, all sorts of metrics that we would have normally counted on are, are now gone. Um, and it was, it, it was a real struggle even to figure out, are we, what are we doing? Are we even doing something here? But two things really came out of that. We became very aware 
um, that the current outputs that were going on at church, which used to be really just a Sunday service, um, some random prayer times, small groups going on, which were good. We felt good about that. But the when when COVID happened and these realities, those things were stripped away. Um, we could tell that people were still kind of left in a place where maybe healing hadn't taken place, where, uh, where some angst or some anger, some anxiety about the reality of the world was going on. Um, as we look at just these four pillars, I mean, the first one of loving God is really talking about a relationship with him and, and to know that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and people having differences of relationship or that they're in their own character. They're seeing um, that this aspect of God, maybe they they don't know that well, but that got revealed, you know, to us. And so not only were we seeing it revealed by COVID, but we realized that what was going on before wasn't working to develop maybe what we really wanted to see um, were people loving others. Well, that, um, <laughs> that in and of itself on a larger church scale, you know, but we've had to have our own conversations just with what it means to love others now that we've had, um, uh, be, because of the things going on in our, in our world, transformation is healing, um, happening. Well, no, I think we're, yes, healing's happening, but we're seeing even more so how much, it, how much more it needs to take place. And we don't currently, we don't have the stuff necessary in order to really lead people down that path. So it's helping us think much wider and holistically about somebody's development uh, service. Absolutely. We have people serving, but are they being transformed? Are they in a really, is, is their relationship with God deepening? Or are they simply just doing? And that has also been revealed when the service has been taken away and people can't yeah. serve the way we used mm -hmm. to. And now, Oh my goodness. Now what do I do? Wait a minute. It's what about these other places that we can focus on? So it's really given us a, I mean, it's opened our eyes. We've been able to, to uh, assess better the, the, the things that we're doing. And I mean, again, not, not that all of it was wrong, but we put it in its right place. Now we understand better the place of the Sunday service and are now trying to find more opportunities to lean into the healing that is needed. No, it's, Brandon, as you share, I'm, I'm coming back to the, um, the, the metaphor of the recipe. It's almost like what I'm hearing you say is that it's not that every ingredient, every output of a church didn't fit into the recipe, but maybe the COVID reality um, has gone further to, to reveal that maybe there's some missing elements in the recipe and if the, and if the ingredients aren't mixed right together and that they're separated, that maybe they don't have the, you know, the output, you know, excuse me, the outcome of what comes out of the oven is not what, you know, the church has hoped. And maybe that's part of the gift of the COVID reality is it's forced us to see maybe some holes in the recipe that we wouldn't have uh, so easily seen before. Right. Yeah. Not only to see the holes in the recipe where there are places that are missing, but to take uh, more account of some other places where I was just having a conversation uh, with John, where he was wondering about the success metrics for himself and realizing that what he used to base it on is all gone. But then right. he's talking to me about how he's meeting with over half of the congregation one-on-one -on -one throughout the week, how he's meeting with several different pastors in the community, how he's getting connected. And I was like, dude, <laughs> were you doing that beforehand? I mean, these are the things that we would talk about as we would um, think about the growth of a church and it's happening. These things are happening now much differently and much slowly. So the, the, he, the, the reality of this recipe and this kind of reset has been beautiful 
um, for us to encounter. And yeah, you know, Brandon, you, you bring up a, a great story about John that makes me think of a recent story that uh, Richard Matura um, and I have shared with a, a pastor in the north of Kenya named John, who grew up his entire life hearing sermons and as a pastor giving sermons and essentially revolving church around the Sunday morning service as the pivot. COVID comes, he's come to the kingdom story uh, training. He, he understands the role of participating and not just preaching at people, but he also did our discipleship class and realized the importance of, you know, being with people one-on-one -on -one and not just in, in church. So he decided to take his car when the church couldn't come to him and the services were canceled. He started going to three families every Sunday, Brandon. This is amazing. And and he would spend a couple hours with each. And after some tea, of course, you know, some initial conversation, he did a kingdom story Bible. He did a participatory Bible study where everybody got involved. Everybody shared. And he said it's, it has made the word come alive to them. It's made his ministry feel different. And he says the church is growing, which is not a bad thing, right? That more people come, but they're coming for different reasons. I mean, the fact that they're getting involved and linking in. And uh, as the churches start opening up again, he's realized that, that again, a missing ingredient. And now that personal side woven in has, has changed the recipe for him. So, yeah. And I mean, those ingredients make sense. And even the recipe as to how you put it together when you realize the outcome that you want. Right. Banana bread, not just simply ingredients thrown in a bowl that'll come out with just hot bananas and weird right you know, flour and stuff put together. And that's, you know, that kind of leads me to my next question, John, is, you know, so what are the dangers or what, how might you describe what the danger would be if we continue to either not define the goals well, or simply just look at outputs, you know, how many, am I putting out a good service every Sunday right. um, versus transformation? What's the danger behind not identifying good outcomes uh, or not that we, we've identified them, Jesus has identified them for us, but yeah. to keep that in the forefront, what's, you know, what happens if we don't uh, well, you could think about somebody with the, you know, an arrow, uh, they could just start shooting the arrow and then circling the, you know, the target around whatever that where the arrow lands. In other words, we can begin to drift mission drift. And that's, you know, uh, historically, the, the church has circled it, you know, the arrow lands around how many people are coming, or do we have a good building that's clean? Or do we have money in the bank, you know, the ABCs? So I think that that's the same thing as that I mentioned before. If a football coach, for example, measures the success of his team only by the number of people in, you know, on the team and in the fans, uh, they're going to long run. They're going to drift away. They're going to start losing the game. They're going to start losing to their opponents. And what happens to the coach is they're going to start losing motivation. And the people who come are either going to have to decide, well, we really weren't meant to win the game and they just settle. You know, so I think when when the outcomes of the and the outputs don't match to make us more like Jesus, the health of the church is at risk, the health of the pastors, the influence of people, you know, outside of the church to you know, quote win games, you know, the game of, of influence is deeply affected and the lives of people are as the world looks at our lives, they don't see a large difference. So I think what's at stake is the role of the church, God's plan of redemption. Now, of course, he's sovereign and he'll do whatever he needs to do in the end. But I think it breaks his heart that when his bride, that is meant to be salt and light, ends up kind of giving up, so to speak, the high exalted purposes and, and you know, these outcomes that we were meant to move towards over our lifetime. Yeah. And I, I, I thank you for that, John. I think that's a, that's a great analogy. And I, I, 
I think it's imperative that we come to this in prayer and with humility, even around, you know, how we can look at some of these, um, these outcomes and goals. I mean, it just, a, another example to help illustrate this, that it has just sat with me recently is, you know, when, when, when we've, when Henry Ford really rolled off that car, you know, way back when, and we started using automobile, the point was, was more about money and about speed. Um, it was not about safety and economic um, soundness and environmental friendliness. Those were not the goals. Um, right. And so we have suffered over all of these years because the goal was to make money and to yeah. for the car to go fast. And now we've, we've suffered through death. We've suffered through so many accidents. And only now are we beginning to create cars that are safe, that are environmentally friendly, um, that are economically sound for us. But that wasn't the goal. And so right. and church can suffer the same thing if we put these goals, but we really just want to go fast and make money versus wanting to think, you know, the, the other side of it. So, I mean, the, really the defining those goals and making sure we're staying on target um, rather than drawing the target <laughs> around exactly. that arrow, I think is, is important. And again, Brandon, what's, it's true for sports. It's true for business. It's true for any good discipline, any good institution, what we're talking about. And what happens often is that, that the church environment, I think it's one of the few places, you know, in the world, uh, the few institutions where the people who will pay their leaders not to change anything, <laughs> that would you please, <laughs> You know, consciously or unconsciously, we come, this is a safe place. We kind of like things the way they are. We'll pay you not to change things. And as opposed to saying, if we don't make money, if we don't stay focused on our outcomes, we will go out of business. The church can stay in business without being aligned. And I think that would be one of the, the, the things I would want to end with. Yeah. Yeah. It's important for anything in life that we learn to evaluate ourselves rightly. Remember, the call is to make disciples who make disciples. We want people to become like Jesus in every way over a lifetime and teach others to do the same. Um, John, is there anything else that you would like to add before we sign off? Yeah, I just, again, just a reminder that the grace and truth in all of this, I know it's true in my own life. Um, you know, we, a lot of what we're saying here has the idea of reclaiming the truth. You know, the reality is that there's a ton of grace in this. It's a lifelong process. It's messy. It's not as clear cut, you know, as football and some of the things that we've mentioned a business or a recipe. And so there is more mystery in the discipleship process. And so we got to give ourselves grace, but I, I wouldn't want to let us, you know, go off the hook and just say it's kind of marshmallow, unclear, you know, no, there are some things that we can say are real outcomes, real signs that we're becoming more like Jesus. Let's, let's find and discover and pursue those in the spirit of Christ uh, over the lifetime of our work with people. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today as we continue to, you know, walk this adventure called life. We wouldn't want it. John and I don't want to be anywhere else, but in the thick of this with you all, we are in it together. It was, I just have to pause John. When I first met John, he said that to me all the time. We're in it together. And it was a very comforting statement because uh, yeah, nobody's above this. We are all trying to figure this out. Amen. Uh, and just, just like John and I say, we're, uh, we're just two disciples. Yep. Trying to find our place in God's story. Good to be with you, Brandon. Yep. Good to be with you, John. Everyone else be blessed.